0: Maybe you have really good arguments and you win, but what's left in the aftermath of that is not a warm, fuzzy feeling of, okay, now we're okay, now we're connected. It's more like there's blood on the ground and you know that you did something and it doesn't feel great.
1: I can totally relate. There is a victory in it, but it's an ego-stroking victory where I'm walking away, I'm feeling some pride. Yeah. But it's not a pride of, we did this, it's like, I did this. Welcome to The Art of we the podcast where we explore how committed partnerships can be potent vehicles for fully delivering our gifts to the world. Hi, I'm Krista Vanderveer, a seasoned consultant and
0: executive coach. And I'm Dr. Will Vanderveer, a leader and educator in integrative mental health and wellness. As husband and wife and business partners, we keep learning that the key to maximizing our authenticity and impact in the world lies inside the health, security, and depth of our relationship.
1: On this show, we'll pull back the curtains to share lessons, insights, and practices from our own marriage and professional careers that help us thrive. If you're a leader, founder, or overachiever and you want to leverage your relationships for personal and collective growth, then you're in the right place.
0: Welcome back everyone. This is episode 24 of The Art of We. Before we get into our episode. This is an episode on defensiveness in relationships. Before we get into it, we want to invite you to join our newsletter because our newsletter contains important topics and details of things that help us to optimize our lives that are too big to share in the podcast. And so if you want to hear about how we're hacking and fine-tuning our lives, that would be a good thing to subscribe to. You can go to our website, kristavanderveer.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Okay. Defensiveness.
1: Do you like it when I get defensive with you?
0: Uh, No, I don't like it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What happens for you when you notice I'm getting defensive about something?
0: I think the first thing is I get scared that I'm not going to be able to penetrate the defense system and help you see what I think I see.
1: Help me see the right thing. (laughs) (laughs) Help you get on track.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So
1: we're talking today about how to work with defensiveness inside of a relationship, whether that is if your partner is tending to get defensive when you're bringing conversations that are really important, or I guess in any kind of scenario that they're getting defensive, or if you find yourself getting defensive with your partner a lot. So we really want to unpack the impact of getting defensive what we can do to support ourselves and our partners from getting defensive, and what else are we going to
0: do? Then we're going to talk about tips and tricks to minimize and or resolve defensiveness and our partners and ourselves to optimize conversations.
1: Okay, cool. So maybe we first touch on what we, how we relate to defensiveness. Like from our perspective, what does it mean or maybe what's underneath the layers of defense when we're noticing it for ourselves. Do you want to start? Sure.
0: You want to pick an example of when I got defensive?
1: Okay, sure.
0: Let's go there. So Maybe hard to find one.
1: (laughs) It's interesting because I think your defensiveness shows up different than mine. I think I tend to get a little bit louder, and at times you might retreat a little bit more or get a little punchy like not with your body, but with your language or something. So in this particular circumstance, I can think of, we were driving to a social event. And sometimes I don't know if you are seeing the things that I'm seeing around us, like different cars, different lights, lights changing, because I can't feel the car shift and change. I don't feel your body responding to the car. So I know that you see something. And so I often get scared in the car with you. And in your defense, I know that you are seeing these things because we've worked through it a lot at this point. But in this particular moment, I didn't know it. And we were driving to this social event and I wasn't happy with the way the driving was going. And when I brought it up, I felt like you got defensive and didn't take responsibility for the impact of my experience inside the car. I think you said something to the effect of we both have different viewpoints about what it means to drive a car properly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I said that. Something um, like that. It probably sure wasn't exactly like that. Something assy like that. Yeah. I think it would be good to share about what happens for me inside of getting defensive. And I hope that other people can relate to this because I think it's pretty pretty standard equipment for you know human psychology when we get defensive. I feel like someone's criticizing me. And oftentimes there's a self-righteous quality to my defensiveness. Like, hey, I'm not doing anything wrong. I know what I'm doing. I'm really good at this. You know, how dare you think that I'm trying to hurt you or being inattentive or not caring for you or whatever. It's like there's a righteousness to that. And from there, I often go into wanting to argue my point or prove that my intentions were good or like I'm, I'm some kind of innocent, not bystander, but wrongfully accused. Wrongfully accused is what it feels like when I get defensive, oftentimes.
1: Right, so it sounds like you're basically protecting yourself from a perceived threat or judgment and you're getting very positional about your perspective and arguing to make your perspective right.
0: And I'm obviously taking what's being said to me personally. You know, I'm not in a state of curiosity about why is this person upset or what could possibly be going on for them. It's all about defending my story or my position. And it goes into this binary place that a lot of people can probably relate to of like who's right and who's wrong. We're suddenly in a court of law and it's gonna be there's going to be a person who goes away for being judged for doing it wrong. And there's going to be a, a person who wins the court case, who walks home or, you know, doesn't go to jail for being the a- in the situation or what have you. So, yeah, that's me in a nutshell when I'm defensive.
1: The interesting thing about defensiveness is that it tends to generate defensiveness in the other person. So I remember the moment sitting in the car outside, Our friend's house waiting to go in, and we're both very defensive in that moment. And neither of us are budging, neither of us are getting our needs met, we're not repairing, which we tend to prioritize repair before going into a social event, which I wish we would have, (laughs) because we had another big rupture as a result of that. But you know, working with defensiveness, as you, my partner, being defensive in that moment, what I would have liked to be able to do is bring more curiosity about your state. But because it tends to generate defensiveness, it's very hard to get into a state of curiosity. What I would have liked to say is, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's just take a larger picture of you here and let me lean in a little bit. It seems like something is upsetting for you right now. Help me understand what's happening for you. And I notice that if people say, oh, you seem to be really defensive right now, that just generates even more defensiveness. So even in my language, I'm not saying, oh, hold on, it seems like you're really defensive right now. What's going on? You know, I would think that that would, I don't know, probably kick up more defensiveness.
0: Absolutely. I think um, it's so hard to develop curiosity inside of defensiveness. It's really, really hard. And the other thing that's hard is to tap into the feeling of vulnerability that's right under the anger or the self-righteousness. There's a feeling under there that is really tender.
1: That's the hardest part for me. When I last remember getting defensive with you, which was you accusing me later that night of being aggressive at the party (laughs) towards you. (laughs) You know, saying that I was aggressive felt like a, a big statement to me in the moment. And I definitely got defensive. And it took me a lot of fighting back to protect the vulnerable feeling of like, wait a minute. I do not want to be seen as the person Who is aggressive towards her partner, I do not want to be seen as the person who is not skilled in relationship and communication. Like I stand for that so deeply. And to be accused of that, or maybe invited into the possibility that I was aggressive. I don't think you accused me, but and to look at that myself and be like, holy cow, I actually was aggressive toward you was a very hard thing to do.
0: Yeah. I think we're we're navigating something that is in the neighborhood of the human ego, right? The identity that we want to be perceived as. Like When I'm driving the car, I want to be perceived as a good driver. I want to be perceived as someone who cares about your experience in the car. And then there's another part of me that wants to drive the way I want to drive and not be told any feedback how to about <laughs> totally. how it's going over there in the passenger totally. seat. Totally. And then there's this deeper layer that we're talking about here where the, the vulnerability can be felt and where the curiosity for the other person's experience can be felt. It's a, it feels in my system a deeper layer than the ego protection layer.
1: Yeah, the tricky thing for me with, with that conversation we had after the party around me being aggressive towards you was that me needing to turn towards the truth of what happened there. You know, as our conversation kept moving forward, I was starting to see the possibility of me being aggressive. And I was standing in the moment being like, either I'm going to be admitting I was aggressive and you're going to go away, or I'm going to keep my position that I wasn't aggressive and you're going to go away. Mm -hmm. So then I needed to really decide in that moment of how I want to be with you and admitting to myself and to you that I was aggressive towards you brought me into shame around that and then I had to stand for okay I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of shame because that's not going to get us anywhere but it required that I deeply looked at where that was coming from why it was coming from where it was coming from it took your support it took the support from my women's group to see why I was aggressive for you in that moment and when I finally got the nugget of why I felt aggressive towards you why I acted aggressive towards you then I was like oh okay now I, at least I have something to learn from here. I have something that I have a tool to know for the future that when I'm in that state, what I actually had was a really big need from you. I had a need that we had repaired the rupture in the first place in the car. And I bypassed that need and was like, okay, we'll just see how this goes. And we walk in the door with our friends. And now I know that if I bypass that need, another part of me who's not as nice and skilled will come out.
0: Yeah, it's a really beautiful insight to see that when there's a need that's unmet, then our actions and our words can go berserk, right? Or go, go off the rails. I think it's a, it's a beautiful question to be in about our own positions that we take or our own defensiveness is like, what's, what's the unmet need here?
1: Yes. And it hasn't been always as easy to work with defensiveness in a partnership for me as it is between you and I. So maybe we take a quick break and we both share some ways to work with ourselves and partners when it can be very challenging to get through defensiveness. Things that we've used in the past that have really helped. Does that sound good? That sounds great. Okay, we'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this episode. I want to take a quick break to let you know about a gift we created for you and your partner. We compiled our top 10 relationship agreements. Agreements that have been so powerful in supporting the success of our partnership that we even turned them into our wedding vows. These agreements help us stay connected, growing, and thriving as a couple, and they've been critical to help us create a kind of we that's way beyond what we've ever experienced before. You can download this free gift at KristaVanderveer.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-A-V-A-N-D-E-R-V-E-E-R.com. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, it would be so meaningful to us if you left us a rating and review. Not only does it help others find us, but it gives us critical feedback on how we're doing. Thanks in advance, and now back to the episode.
0: Welcome back. We wanted to explore something with you, the listener, before we go into tools and tactics for minimizing or working with defensiveness. I've had a lot of experiences in previous relationships where either I emerged from the courtroom I mentioned earlier as the victor or the defeated one. And I'm curious if other people can relate or if you can relate, Krista, to the emptiness that's in the victory of being right. I'm just reflecting on times where I fought with a partner for my position to be right and someone submitted to my point of view without us getting to a deeper, repair or a deeper sense of connection. And it's a weird feeling to try to describe, but I'm wondering if other people can relate to where, you know, you get into a conflict with your partner and then maybe you have really good arguments and you win. But what's left in the aftermath of that is not a warm, fuzzy feeling of, okay, now we're okay. Now we're connected. It's more like there's blood on the ground and you know that you did something and it doesn't feel great.
1: I can totally relate. There is a victory in it, but it's an ego stroking victory where I'm walking away. I'm feeling some pride. Yeah. But it's not a pride of we did this. It's like I did this. Yeah. And inside of that, I did this. There's not a deeper sense of connection. It's just some sort of level of like tapping myself on the back. Glad that you're bringing that up.
0: I'm happy that you, thank you for bringing up the the pride issue. And Sort of like this this dynamic we're exploring today is like this coin with pride on one side and shame on the other of this hot potato that we is very aversive to feel, you know the the shame and wanting to get back to feeling good about ourselves as quickly as possible. and then in what we're going to talk about in tools and, and techniques is the goal is not to get back to puffing ourselves up and feeling good and feeling victorious over our partner, but it's a deeper, humbler, softer, more vulnerable result where we can actually come back into care for each other.
1: I love that you're bringing this. It reminds me of one of our vows, which is we vow to protect each other in public or private, even from ourselves. The victory over the loss of who wins and who doesn't, isn't protecting each other from ourselves.
0: right. I'm reminded of this amazing Leonard Cohen song called Hallelujah that maybe some of our listeners have heard before where he plays with this dynamic of the we versus the I in love. And one of the great lines in this song, it says, uh, he, he says, all I ever learned from love is how to shoot someone who outdrew you. And I think that's what we're talking about in these defensive moments of how do we shoot someone who outdrew us?
1: And doing it very differently inside of a art of we perspective. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanna ask you, Will, when I am noticing you get defensive about something, what's what's probably the best thing that I could do to support us dropping deeper than having a conversation about who's right and who's wrong?
0: I think the name of the game in that moment for us, whether it starts with you, noticing me defensive or whether i notice myself defensive and one of us takes the first step toward vulnerability i think that is so disarming for the one who is getting activated for example when in the car when i was probably driving too close to someone or too fast or changing lanes too fast or something and and you were feeling uncomfortable and you said something to me when i reacted with defensiveness you know, if under ideal circumstances, if you noticed my defensiveness and you came back with, oh, was it something I said? Or, you know, if there was some kind of like lighthearted curiosity about the defensiveness that's not ratcheting it up another notch, that probably would help me. Mm-hmm. Then again, like if, if I had been able to wake up in that moment and bring curiosity or vulnerability to you when you were feeling stressed out about my driving and i maybe felt that you were judging me if I could have come with, oh, I feel scared or I'm worried that we're going into a rupture or something like that, you know?
1: Right. One of the ways that we talk about repairing rupture at times is for the person who feels like they have the greatest adult capacity in that moment, to take the lead and the leadership in helping guide the conversation into something that is collaborative versus defensive. So when I think about who's responsible for helping the defense get lowered, I think that's one, one way that I can really help think about this is when I notice you getting defensive or I, I'm noticing myself get defensive is to even be in the conversation of who feels like they have more resource in this moment to guide us through this. I love the invitation of bringing more vulnerability. I think if I had said something in the moment of, well, I'm feeling scared right now. And there's nuance in the way that I articulate it, in the tone, in the energy of it, in the open-heartedness of it, in the authenticity of it. But I think when we're working with a partner who has less skill or less self-awareness about their defensiveness, their state of being, it can be a really big challenge to get through to a vulnerable state inside of defensiveness.
0: It's a huge challenge, especially if agreements haven't been made ahead of time before the painful moment occurs. Because what can happen, and I think unfortunately often happens is a pattern develops in the couple where one person is submitting to the other person's defensiveness to Go along to get along to create a counterfeit repair that actually isn't a repair, but it keeps the peace. I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate to that. And the problem with that, of course, is that it's not real. It's not sustainable when one person walks away from the conflict feeling like the victor and the other one feels like the defeated one. And there's a temporary, very uh, thin layer of peace in the dynamic.
1: Absolutely. That is not going to be sustainable long-term. And if it is long-term, then there's a bunch of stuff underneath the covers that are keeping each other from real connection, intimacy, authentic, relating, being able to be a force to be reckoned with as a couple in the world with their love and their passion and their mission. And so, yeah, I'm glad that you are bringing that up. I like the idea of agreements here with your partner around what happens when one of us gets defensive or we encounter defensiveness. In my previous partnerships, I did not have that. And I have bumped up against this more soloed I perspective that one of us would take, or I would attempt to penetrate defensiveness and there would just be more defensiveness and more anger. And even if I'm super skilled and I have the best intentions, at times it wouldn't go anywhere. And then like you're saying, there would just be a Band-Aid on top of it. So in part, it's like, are you both willing to have the conversation of how do we deal with this? And if your partner or yourself isn't willing to have a conversation about that, then that's a whole other chapter in the book of how to deal with defensiveness.
0: I think there's a whole other style of dealing with conflict that maybe you're referring to in previous partnership where when you try to engage the person around the defensiveness that just escalates Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and i'm talking about the kind of style where someone was trained in their childhood that when you're angry you walk away and you take a breath and you don't engage conversation until you've calmed yourself down and that could take minutes or hours or days or weeks depending on how intense the situation was but the point that i'm making is that most people haven't been taught in childhood that there's a different way to engage painful moments in a collaborative way. And that's what we're talking about here. It's very counterintuitive to go to vulnerability first when you feel triggered by your partner. It's the opposite of what you want to do.
1: Yes. And for those of you who are listening who have a partner like this, I would highly recommend getting support, whether that's a relationship coach or a therapist, because sometimes it takes an influence from the outside to help one of us inside of a partnership see something, even if our partner is telling us, to actually see it from somebody else's eyes outside of the relationship. And so that would be one suggestion that I would have.
0: Yeah, there, there are these deep opportunities that defensiveness brings, but without the right support, you can't, you can't get there. You can't get to the other side in a really thorough way.
1: Is there anything else, Will, that you would recommend for somebody who is in a position where they're having a hard time with their partner around this issue of defensiveness besides therapy
0: or coaching? For people who are in a partnership with someone who gets defensive a lot and can't really seem to break through to this deeper layer that we're talking about, sooner or later, you're going to be asking the question, should I stay or should I go? And we're going to be devoting a whole episode to that. Um, in the future. So we'll talk about that. But before we get there, I want to just say a few words of encouragement to the people out there who may be in a situation that I've been in before in the past where your partner gets defensive a lot, tries to turn the tables on you, gaslights you, tells you that it's not their problem, it's your problem. And being in a situation where your partner is not willing to come to the table with vulnerability, even when you've gone and gotten a lot of support for that to happen. There are situations where you can't get to the next level with your partner. And it's very painful to get to that realization. But I want to encourage you that there are people out there who do want to have a deeper, more collaborative relationship. And I'm saying this because it would have helped me to hear that 10 years ago when I was in a different situation and I somewhat believed that it was in my head that this deeper type of collaborative partnership was real and that it could happen. And now that I'm in that kind of relationship with you, I just want to give back to the people out there who might be wondering, is this just a big old-fashioned fantasy that people can live this way and care this much about each other?
1: Thank you for sharing that. I had a very similar experience of knowing that I wanted this, hoping it was possible. Wasn't for sure. Thought I was kind of making it up. And I just want to double click on what you're saying, Will, that for those of you who are listening, this is possible. And it takes you standing for the type of partnership, the type of relationship that you truly, deep in your heart, know that you want and that is possible. And when you stand for it, like both you and I, Will, had to do, it can be created. So we're loving you up big time. Those of you who are listening Mm -hmm. might be in some pain. Yeah. To wrap this episode up, in the spirit of growth and self-awareness, for you who is listening to this, we invite you to notice when you get defensive what's actually happening for you. What's going on underneath the layers? Are there unmet needs? Are there boundaries that have been crossed? The more you can become self-aware about your own defensiveness, the next time it comes up inside of a partnership or even a friendship, the much quicker you're going to be able to work through it and repair and have a deeper connection. Well, how about on the next episode we do, Should I Stay or Should I Go?
0: Sounds fitting. Let's do it. (laughs)
1: Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. If you found this content valuable, please follow this show and share it with your partner or other key collaborators. If this show sparked an interesting conversation based on these topics, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on Instagram
0: at Podcast, And we'll see you next time when we explore what it means to be better together, like butter and toast, on the Art of We.